Somebody told me the other day at, 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 at church, Bev's telling me to get on with it, um, he said, would you please scroll to Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> Thanks, Evan, for, for this morning. Uh, it was wonderful, wonderful preparation. And uh, Okay, some of our young people already have their tablets at the ready. We need to go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. So we know that that's in the Old Testament and we know that it's in the first few books that come after the first five books which is called the Pentateuch or the Law sometimes. The first five books are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and after that you start to get into the, the other bits. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. <laughs> so it, 1 Kings chapter 18, I'll have to turn to it. Have, have all the young people got it? Show of hands. You got it? That's the way <laughs> on you guys. That's terrific. Yeah, good. Now listen, you'd all, know, you'd all know about the story of Elijah, wouldn't you? Elijah with the big offering, you know, where he was going to battle against the, the prophets of Baal. How many prophets were there? There's 400 prophets that's right. And they had to, you might remember, they had to do a... Um, Neville, would you come up? It's all right. I just realised I was jumping ahead. But the prophets of... Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because we blurred the um, announcements. Oh, we didn't have the access no, video either. We won't worry about the access video today. Bless you, brother. Okay, folks. Can we pray for David? And his message. (laughs) Quick. He's enthusiastic. (laughs) Lord, we thank you for this time we're about to share. We thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you for this book of love, Mm. for this book of hope, and this book of sacrifice. As was then, as is now, we thank those who give your word to others, those who go around the world, move out from their comfort zone. We ask mm. that, we, that you support them. We thank you for them. We thank you for David, for his time with us, for his work for us. And we ask that his message today is one of your word, the mm. true meaning of your word. Mm. We ask that you support David in this and all his endeavours. And we ask that this blessing today is in your name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Neville. There was the big challenge between 400 prophets of Baal and one little shabby looking prophet called Elijah. They were basically testing whose God was real. And um, so you might remember, we're going to read this this thing. Uh, It's interesting because the prophets of Baal wore themselves to a frazzle. Do, do any young people remember the story? And they, they prayed to Baal and said, Baal, come down and burn up this sacrifice that they'd put out for him. And, and, um, and they even cut themselves to, to show Baal how serious they were. Now, Elijah was, Elijah was really, um, he was laughing at him, And he was... He was uh, going on and saying, oh, maybe, maybe Baal's uh, asleep or maybe he's gone on a bit of a journey. 
Maybe you need to pray louder to, to the prophets of Baal. In fact, uh, in the, the contemporary English version of the Bible in verse 27 there at 18, can you see that verse 27? At noon Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or travelling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. Do you see that verse? 18 verse 27. Guess what it says in the, in the contemporary English version. It says, at noon Elijah began making fun of them. Pray louder, he said. Baal, Baal must be a god. Maybe he's daydreaming or using the toilet. Or travelling somewhere. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Baal using a toilet. <laughs> or maybe he's asleep and you have to wake him up. I really like it when the Bible says really weird things like that. You don't even get away with saying in a sermon or at home. You know, The Bible will say it. Make sure you get that contemporary language going. Alright, so let's read from verse 30 of 1 Kings 18. Then Elijah said to all the people, so they gave up. It was Elijah's turn to step up, all right? And he said in verse 30 of 18 of First Kings, Come here to me. They came to him, all the people of Israel, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins because of all this Baal worship. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built on an altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two sears of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, you had to be pretty handy in those days, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench. Pretty amazing, isn't it? No half measures with God. When all the people saw this, verse 39, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord he is God, the Lord he is God. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? It's a pretty powerful story. Now, okay, now turn to Second Chronicles, which is on a little bit further. So you go past First Kings, Second Kings, into Second Chronicles, chapter six. So we're going to Second Chronicles chapter six. And we're reading from verse forty. Now, this particular passage is when Solomon has opened the temple that, that was the temple of David but it's really kind of become known as Solomon's temple and there's a lot more story to do with that but you, you have a look, if, you, if you've got your Bible there you might have headings where it says Solomon's Prayer of Dedication he prays this awesome prayer in Second Chronicles 6 of dedication for this temple and um, we probably uh, put that thingy up there, it's coming I've got a really slow fade up on this beautiful picture but there's this kind of little, an artist's impression of Solomon dedicating the temple right? and um, 
He prays this awesome prayer. If you read this prayer, he covers every base. He, he tells God, it's a prayer of praise. He just keeps speaking at God. His wonderful majesty, his character, his works. It's, it's awesome. And, and he, he says to God, look after us, watch over us. And he prays this big, big prayer and then he gets to verse 40 of Second Chronicles 6 and he says, Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place, this new temple. Now arise, O Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. And we cross over into that powerful chapter, 1 Chronicles 7, and it begins like this, it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good. His love endures forever. Now, can we dance back into the first five books of the Bible? We're going to Leviticus. So what is it? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. See on? Yeah? Numbers, Deuteronomy. Leviticus. Chapter 9. Has anybody gotten so used to using a tablet you're starting to forget where the books of the Bible are? This is kind of weird. Turn up your Bible. It happened to Bev the other day, didn't it? Kind of go, oh, where's that book again? So we'll keep, read, keep, keep this thing in our hands so you keep, keep knowing how, where everything is. I love having my Bibles at the tip of my fingertip, but um, boy, it's good having the, the hard copy in it sometimes. Second Chronicles 6 at uh, verse 40. Oh, sorry. Leviticus, thank you guys. I'm glad that you're all on the ball. Leviticus 9 verse 22. Verse 22. Make sure I've got it right. Here we go. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them and having sacrificed the sin offering the burnt offering and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. It's really quite amazing in these Old Testament accounts you know, the presence of God was pretty obvious. It was a bit hard to ignore, but the, the, the response from the human heart was to bow in adoration and worship and welcome him. And, and it also inspired generosity. If you read some of these passages, you can see how it inspired great generosity in giving 
to the Lord. Um, just, just that's just what happens when when you, you, your God is close, and and you feel like you're actually in His presence. You feel like there's nothing that enough that you can give to Him. Chapter ten goes on to say this: Aaron's sons uh, Nadab and Abihu. Well, it's Abihu, but to me it sounds better Abihu. <laughs> took their senses, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. You still with me, guys? So fire came out from the presence of God and consumed them. Poor Nadab and Abuhu, he was definitely a boohooing, wasn't he? he can, the fire from the presence of God consumed them and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me I will show myself holy in the sight of all the people I will be honoured. Now it's interesting that Aaron, their father and their chief priest in that sense at this point, remained silent. He didn't have any objection or he, he couldn't raise any... I mean it's unfair, they they, they, offer, they offered fire that was not from the altar. They did it wrong. Maybe they thought, because they'd just come off that very powerful experience at the end of the previous chapter, maybe they just were kind of lazy and they didn't think about it. Maybe they were filled with pride. Maybe they thought they could do whatever they liked. But you cannot handle holy things unless the Lord allows you the approach. And they did it wrong. And, so, and Aaron accepted that that they had handled it wrongly. Pretty tough though, wasn't it really? They just, that was it. No second chances, no asking for repentance. The Lord just punished them right then and there. Now, the most significant day of the Jewish calendar is Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement that we might know. And, And later in Leviticus 16, the Lord was to give to Aaron a whole lot of law regarding the approach to uh, and regulations in prep, personal preparation for the Day of Atonement. That was the one day in the, in the year when the, only the chief priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies, a place that, that to them was unapproachable. You couldn't go in there um, because the Shekinah glory dwelt in there and, and, and they would effectively have a heart attack. They wouldn't be able to stand in the in the the manifest presence of God and survive it, you know. Um, but on that one day, uh, he was allowed in to pray uh, for forgiveness, take on the sins. Uh, on there, there's law, there's an offering made, there was a scapegoat, there's all kinds of things going on, but basically to offer repentance and seek forgiveness of God for the whole year for the sins of all the people. That was a pretty big deal. The Day of Atonement. The chief priest had to prepare in obedience for this day with worship, with ceremonial washings, with prayer, with incense and there was always shed blood and a grain offering. The chief priest entered the Holy of Holies, rope tied around him so that um, if he couldn't stand in the presence of God, if he died effectively in the Holy of Holies, they could pull him out. He had little bells apparently sewn to the hem of his garment. Some of us would know this. Um, I, I don't know whether you young people have kind of discovered this in, in some of your studies, but he, they put little bells on their garments, like sometimes mum does on you so that they know where you are. <laughs> you know. 
But if the bells fell silent, they would know that he wasn't there anymore, that he'd, he'd carked it and they had to drag him out. So while the bells were ringing, the people outside that weren't allowed into the Holy of Holies knew that he was there. You know, the sense of the awe of God. God is an awful God, uh, full of awe. You know, he's, he, they, they came, they, they got to the point where Yahweh, they couldn't even say the name. So, so he was represented, Jehovah in the Greek, but Yahweh in the Hebrew took the vowels out of it. So it just became, what is it, Y-W, Y-H, W-H, Y-H-W-H, a word to mean God which had no vowel sounds, they wouldn't even speak his name. Too holy. The fire falling at the dedication of that temple, the Solomon's temple, never happened again even when Ezra rebuilt the temple, nor at the opening of Herod's temple. But a new age was to dawn, the age of grace. So now, guys, the age of grace, let's go into the New Testament, over into Hebrews, which is towards the end. There are all those little letters that Paul wrote, Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Thessalonians and, and um, Chikarolians and, um, and then you get towards the end a bit more and there's Hebrews. If you get to Revelation, you know you've gone too far. Hebrews, chapter 10. We live in a different day. Praise God, we live in a different day when our approach to God is open. The way has been made for us to enter into the very holy of holies. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how do they do that? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. Now, do you remember, see, see this little artist's impression? impression of the you, you might remember at Easter the temple was torn and was it torn from the bottom to the top or from the top to the bottom it was torn from the top to the bottom you guys read it at the point of Jesus death on the cross it's like the Lord reached down from heaven and ripped that temple and it wasn't just a curtain it was thick it was somewhat like six inches thick or something it was amazing this temple Curtain that separated the rest of the temple. There's the whole. There was the, the 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 women's court. There was the court the court of the Gentiles, I think. Then the women's court. Then the inner courts and the and the holy of holies was some place. So depending on who you were, you could go close and close to the holy of holies, but you couldn't go in there unless you were the the chief priest. And only on the, on Yom Kippur, as it's come to be known, but the Day of Atonement, and only after very very special preparation. Could you enter the most holy place, the holy of place, the holy of holies? And yet, the Lord tore that curtain that separated it from us, right from the top to the bottom, in a symbolic expression. You know that the way is now open, and this is what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. And since we have verse twenty-one, a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled, the, the chief priest just had to sprinkle some of that sacrificial blood on his clothing. But our hearts are sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So, in a, in a sense, the blood of Jesus is shed that cleanses us from all sin. Our hearts are sprinkled with his blood in a spiritual sense. It was real blood he shed because he gave up his life. Verse 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. The day of his return. He has brought from Abraham through, from Adam through, right through Christ and his crucifixion and that temple is curtain is torn and we again, like it was in the garden at the very beginning, can fellowship with God. Let's not give up and persevere as we see the day approaching. Curtain torn through the blood of Jesus opened a way. I won't read Acts verses because they were beautifully reiterated for us by Evan this morning in your communion preparation, mate. And I, I wonder about now. This is Pentecost happens fifty days after Passover, which is our Easter. So 50 days, that's why today is Pentecost Sunday and that's why it changes every year uh, according to the calendar. And um, it was the Feast of Weeks or the Day of First Fruits. So young guys and gals, you can Google that when you get home to figure out what they are, the Feast of Weeks and the, the Day uh, of First Fruits. You want to find out a little bit more about that. I wonder about these guys and gals sitting in that prayer room. You know, the Lord said to them, go and wait for the Spirit and I'll send the Spirit. It's a long time to wait. It must have been a decent amount of time. There were 50 days. So, you know, and I think some of us have figured out it would have been 10 days or a couple of weeks. Where's Rob? What do we reckon? While they were praying in the upper room, were they getting bored? Were they getting tired? Waiting, waiting, you know. Were they full of faith? Were they doubting? Maybe we made a mistake. What's going to happen? The Lord said, that which you need, my comforter, my, your guide, your equipper, your enabler, your powerful witness, he will come. I must go so that he can come. We are not a do-it-yourself people when it comes to kingdom work. We are not a DIY people. The power of God comes only through the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my Father promised in Luke 24, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Fire on the altar, glory in the temple, God in the midst of his people. Hebrews 4, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. At Pentecost, 
The fire from heaven did not fall and consume them. Tongues like fire came from heaven and rested on them and he gave them a divine enabling to speak languages of people around them that they'd never heard. There's some missionaries operated on that down through the years since. They've gone into lands where they don't speak the language but God has supernaturally imparted to them an understanding of this language so that they can bring the word. It's been quite marvellous. The amplified version of that verse says, and there appeared tongues resembling fire which were separated and distributed and which settled on each one of them. Last week we talked about settling in, in Bethel, building a Bethel, creating a place in our lives, in our hearts, uh, where we go to, to, to be with God, where God lives in a sense, where we dwell with him. And here we see the Holy Spirit settling as well, settling on each of us. We know that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He has made it possible for him to take up his habitation within, within each one of us. It's quite unbelievable to think about real hard. It just kind of, it, how do you wire that up? You know, how do you kind of define that? But that is our reality. And understanding that the, that the Lord has actually made each one of us his dwelling place and that when we go to him and when we come to him that he is our glory as we are his. I wonder... Uh, in, in the pace of life how distracted we get it can be really difficult to keep focus to go to Bethel to, to be in our place with God to build an altar settle with him allow him to settle in us allow him to reveal himself through us that takes a bit of effort a bit of work a bit of investment and life rolls along and it kind of keeps pushing us into the out in, into the action, into the activity, into the challenge of what confronts us and our very power for life, our, our, our very peace and poise in life is derived from the reality of living in the spirit, of, of coming to understand what that actually means for us, how we operate that. Many of us have been journeying with the Lord for decades and we know we know the abiding presence of the Spirit and how he reveals his will and his word to us. And those of us who are younger, as you begin your journey in the Lord and, and set up your, your place, your life in such a way that he settles on you and you become aware of his wonderful purpose for you. You'd never go back you wouldn't trade it off for anything you wouldn't do an Esau absolutely not if you don't know what I just meant by that ask mum or dad expectancy comes through praying, paying the prayer price and would you like to stand in these closing moments I will pray and Judy and Bev are going to sing So we bring our altar, we place an altar before our Lord of our lives. Let's pray.
Lord, on this uh, any given Sunday, we gather together and worship you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grand plan. Unbelievable. And yet you draw us to yourself and we do believe. We find our salvation in you. We find our fullness in you, our purpose in you. You are a sovereign God, above and beyond, yet up close and personal. Only you can be that God. Only you are worthy. And so, Lord, as we stand in your presence, hear our prayer, we pray.
hearts of all that love me. Christ in earth, a friend and stranger. I bind unto myself a name, the strong name of the Trinity, by invocation of the same, the three in one and one in three, by whom all nature hath creation, eternal Father, Spirit, Word. Praise to the Lord of my salvation. Salvation is of Christ the Lord. We pray these words of St. Patrick together, saying, Amen. Amen. Amen.